Hello again, everyone, and welcome to it. It is the final day of August 2022. Goodbye, August. The month I had COVID, meh, you can go away. I am Derek Hunter. Uh, this is the Derek Hunter Show. Appreciate you listening, downloading, sharing, telling a friend. Please keep doing that. Please keep spreading the word. And go to patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast or derekhunter.locals.com. That's where you enter to win this week. It's between two comedy geniuses, Greg Gutfeld and Martin Short. Both of their books autographed, Martin Short's an autobiography. Greg Gutfeld is his first book, so it's an early Gutfeld autograph. Check it out. Five bucks a month gets you to enter into the contests and gets you extra shows, and it alleviates all the guilt you have for such fine quality entertainment for free. You get the good stuff, and then you just, you know, you throw a couple of shekels my way. And it helps out. It really, really does. So check that out. Appreciate it. Now let's get on with the program. There is a bunch of stuff to talk about today. We'll get to the incompetence of the administration, the incompetence of Democrats in general, so on and so forth, etc., cetera, et cetera. But I want to just do something that is going to illustrate perfectly the incompetence of liberalism and the, the ultimate uh, rot that brings that, that comes about from Democrat rule, single party rule. So it's just a question of which one do I want to highlight here because um, <laughs> it's such a Baltimore story. It's such a Baltimore story. Uh, there, apparently, I didn't know that Natalie Portman was in Baltimore. Natalie, I've been a fan of Natalie Portman's for a long time. She's a very good actress. She's a very attractive woman. and uh, she's, But she's a big time lefty. My brother-in-law actually was at Harvard with her at the same time. Um, I don't want to say that he wasn't the friendliest person. Just, just say it. Anyway, now she's in Baltimore filming a show called Lady in the Lake, or at least was in Baltimore filming a show, Lady in the Lake. This is what you get with the 60-plus years of unfettered, unchallenged Democrat rule. New York Post story. The makers of a dramatic Apple TV Plus thriller starring Natalie Portman were forced to suspend filming in Baltimore after local drug dealers threatened to shoot up the set unless they were paid $50,000, according to reports. <laughs> they can't. Uh, you know, you, you pay through the nose. I don't know if you know this or not, but if you are a legitimate production, there's a lot of... I don't say legitimate in the the uh, sense that the others are illegitimate. But if you're a, a low-budget indie, you probably aren't pulling permits for everything you do. You can get in trouble. You can get a ticket. You can get fined if you, you're caught filming on the streets of a city because, um, well, I guess you get away. There's an exemption for, like, student films because you can't – no-budget student films. But – if you are a legit production that has uh, got a budget and you're not pulling permits for every bit of filming that you do, they'll find you. They'll come get you. Now, part of that is I need – I used to live at the corner of Chase and St. Paul right there in uh, the Mount Vernon area of, of Baltimore. Lived there for I guess it was 13 years, almost 14 years. Every once in a while, they'd film something. There's a, a hotel, former hotel. Now I think it's apartments called the Belvedere, 
right there. It is very Art Deco. It is beautiful on the inside and the outside. And so if you're doing a period piece, that's a good thing about the um, most of the East Coast cities with a history is they still have buildings that you can pretend are the 1920s, the 19-teens, the 1890s, whenever. You can still pretend that there are those because on the outside, the facade hasn't changed. The inside, they've maintained. So you can do that. They used to film at the Belvedere quite a bit. And they'd block off the streets. And if you, you wanted to go down to whatever, if you're going to from St. Paul Street to Charles Street, and you're going to, I don't know, go to the grocery store there or go to a restaurant and pick up lunch or dinner, you were not allowed to go down there because the police and security, I don't know if it was all security or all police, but I knew that they were backed up by police, had it blocked off saying you can't come down here. This is, you know, a closed set. This is blah, blah, blah. Now you get that power when you pull a permit. So you have this permit. The city says, all right, you can block off. If you need to, you have to tell them what you got to do. But you can block off this street from this block to this block. And it's all yours. And if people refuse to adhere to the, you can't keep people locked in their homes or anything. People can come and go, obviously, if they live there. But you, you can't drive through there. One of the Actually, one of the first memories I ever have of Baltimore was in... 1998, I think it was. I didn't live in Baltimore yet. I didn't move to Baltimore until 2001. But I, uh, my my best friend lived in Baltimore, right in the same neighborhood. So we were driving, an ex-girlfriend of mine and I were driving. We drove to Baltimore, and I, I didn't know where the hell I was. We got into town late. It was dark. I don't know which way is what, and I'm trying to follow. I think at that time, we didn't have, we didn't have a GPS. We had... Um, printed up instructions you know you go to MapQuest and you'd print them out and like seven pages of what turn left on this street and you don't know what the hell that is very confusing it's amazing we got anywhere although i remember i remember having maps and having to fold maps so people did manage to get around but in the city i drove over these uh they're like big wires or something and there was something running across the street and i didn't know and i didn't care it was too dark and i drove onto the set of the wire in any of just the very beginnings of the set of the wire. And once I crossed over and drove over those wires that were running across the street, the power lines or whatever they were, a whole bunch of people could have been security, could have been, I don't know who it was. They all come running out and say, hey, God, you got to turn around. And so I had to back up. I was going up St. Paul Street and I had to back up and turn down another street and get the hell out of there. So the permitting process, obviously the wire was a legitimate production the permitting process then empowers security and or authorities police depending on how much money i assume the production wants to spend on security to then cordon off sections of the town and therefore create a bubble where the actors can act where the the sets can be dressed and where the action can take place and it can be filmed without a whole bunch of people in the background screaming and yelling and asking for autographs, taking selfies or whatever. But apparently, now I have to assume Apple has more money than they know what to do with. They have hundreds of billions of dollars in cash laying around. That's, at least they did a couple years ago. I assume they haven't blown through it all. So if they're dropping money on a production with Natalie Portman, 
You know, you get an Oscar winner, you're going to drop some money on it. There are going to be demands, security being chief among them. You would think that Apple would pay the whatever premium it is to have police around and or off-duty police officers or something at a bare minimum. And even that wasn't enough to protect the set. Even that wasn't enough to uh, secure the area in Baltimore. That's how far gone Baltimore has gone. Back to the post. The Baltimore Police Department said residents in the area warned producers filming the Lady in the Lake that they, quote, would come back later this evening and shoot someone if they continued their work in the 200 block of Park Avenue in the Bromo Arts District. The locals, locals is in quotes, allegedly told the producers they would allow the production to continue if the producers paid them $50,000, according to a police statement cited by the Los Angeles Times. The locals cited by police were in fact drug dealers whose $50,000 extortion attempt was rejected by the producers, according to a report in the local online publication, The Baltimore Banner. Quote, Leaders of the production decided to err on the side of caution and reschedule the shoot after they found another location. <laughs> End quote. Which, why, does, uh, why do cities run by Democrats suck? Well, because the police are fully aware of a threat, likely fully aware of who made the threat, and instead of standing up to the threat with an overwhelming show of force, you don't have to send police knocking door to door. You could just have police ring the set and go, look, they, they pulled a permit here. They're legit. We're not going to let you do this. We're going to stop you. We're going to be right around this whole set and to hell with you. Instead of doing that, they allow the production to pull up and go, all right, we'll find another location. Now, will that other location be in Baltimore? I highly doubt it. Why the hell would you allow... Why would you move to another location in Baltimore? We've already proven that this is going to be a problem. And uh, you've proven that the local authorities, for all their clout and all their demand and all their permitting and all this that and the other thing, they're never going to come in and, and, if need be, they're not going to step up. Oh, they'll come in and investigate ex post facto, but the point of paying for a permit, the point of paying for security, the point of cooperating with the government is the government is supposed to help you make sure you get it done not go well gee i don't know good luck to you don't worry if somebody gets shot you got a lot of cameras on set point some cameras outward and maybe we'll catch a video of the person shooting them then you've got a a 20 percent chance if you catch that person on video you got a 20 percent chance of them actually being convicted of attempted murder or murder or whatever it is depending on where the person who shot is Right, you wonder why these cities are going to hell in a handbasket, why they're falling apart. It's it's the Democrats that run them. Where's the mayor? The mayor should be down there saying, no, 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 don't leave. Don't do anything. I'm going to be on set, all right? I've cleared my schedule. I will handle my business by phone or have whatever it is. I'm going to be on set. I'm going to make sure that this production goes forward. Because, you know, Baltimore, it, it, you if you live there... Or you've been there. You notice it in the background of a lot of movies. You notice it in the background of a lot of movies where they're not necessarily set in Baltimore, but they're filmed in Baltimore. Why? Because aside from the murder and the drug abuse and the crime and the political corruption, Baltimore is physically a beautiful city. 
a beautiful city. Most people, you know, don't know that. They just think of the murder rate and, you know, they're right to. But a concerted effort should be made to sort of uh, counter the, hey, come to Baltimore and get murdered narrative that is quite common amongst the country, the mindset of the people, and trying to say, hey, you know what? When something embarrasses the city like this, we're going to step up, we're going to come together, and we're going to make sure, we're going to crack down on it. We're going to prosecute the people who uh, tried to extort 50,000. No, no, not going to do that. Can't do that. We wouldn't want to overpopulate the prison with sweet, sweet, nourishing goons who are going to demand money. We wouldn't want to do that. What kind of monster? would? Democrats are against imprisoning criminals. Unless they're Republicans, and the odds of these gang members being Republicans are pretty slim. Uh, in all honesty and fairness, they're probably not registered to vote. They're unregistered Democrats, just like their guns. They're unregistered. <laughs> but I love this. You just sit there and you go, well, well, we're going to move out of town. We're going to suspend it until we find another location. It means another city. That's code for another city. That means it's going to take a little while. They're going to have all of the... Oh, by the way, just speaking of movies that were uh, filmed in Baltimore that I don't think were set in Baltimore. Um, It was Sleepless in Seattle, I think it was. Meg Ryan, Meg Ryan's character, lived in Baltimore. Well, she didn't... I don't know if it was called Baltimore in the movie or if it was just called some random city or whatever. But she, there's a scene where they're walking Meg Ryan and uh, I think it was Rosie O'Donnell. I think Rosie O'Donnell was her friend in that movie. Um, where they're walking past the Washington Monument near where I used to live. And I was like watching that and like, wait, there's the church where Francis Scott Key died and there's the uh, Washington Monument. And you're like, yeah, Baltimore's a beautiful city. There's a lot of things like that that are filmed in Baltimore that aren't necessarily set in Baltimore, but are filmed in Baltimore because there is incredible diversity in the architecture, beauty in the architecture. You can find everything from bombed out post-World War II uh, city to, you know, top of the line, wildly expensive penthouse apartments. It's one of the best things Baltimore has going for it. And if they could film more movies there and TV shows there that could highlight Baltimore, it might be good for business. But they can't because the local drug gangs, which are emboldened by a police that are ordered not to go. Well, the police aren't ordered to not go after them. The police recognize, and this is the Ferguson effect, if you will, a little bit of Ferguson effect on steroids. The Ferguson effect, meaning Ferguson, Missouri, after Michael Brown's killing when he tried to kill a police officer and got uh, learned that you don't do that. Um, <clears throat> they don't want to... Police officers, you can't blame them. They understand that the political class isn't going to have their backs. They're going to, in fact, hang them out to dry. So why would anybody bother sticking their their neck out for these people, for these political hacks? So they, they only do what they're called to. They see something suspicious on the street. They used to stop. Now they go to hell with it. Um, nobody called it in. There's no radio call moving on. And crime gets worse. It's the same sort of thing everywhere. As if you arrest drug dealers... And you recognize that your prosecutor, your state's attorney, isn't going to prosecute people or they're going to cut a deal that it might as well be a jaywalking ticket, might as well be a civil infraction. 
you go, well, what the hell? I'm not, I'm not going to bother going after drug dealers. Because every time a police officer gets out of their car, every time, look, drug dealers, even if they know they're going to get away with it, if they know they're going to get released, there's still a possibility that somebody is going to turn violent because even a couple of days in custody is not particularly fun, especially when you got money to be made. So there's a risk to police officers every time they get out of the car. Plus, you get a swarming band of morons around them filming everything. Going, don't you, don't you violate his rights? Like, yeah, you mean the guy terrorizing your neighborhood? You're very concerned about his rights. You're very concerned about what police are doing to that man who will, you know, shoot you if you uh, step on his shoes by accident turning a corner. Good for you. That's why you, you live in a pit. And all the other people, it's a very small percentage of people that description fits. All the other people are terrified and inside their houses. And police go, I can't, I'm not going to risk my life to arrest somebody who's going to be let out a few hours later. Not going to do it. And so what happens? It's de facto decriminalization. It's, de fa- it's not complete decriminalization because if somebody were to call the police on them, they'll get it. They'll, they'll go. But there will be no proactive policing because police like to not be shot at and not be harassed and not be um, arrested or accused of doing all sorts of horrible things. They'll do what they have to do, and that's it. That's what you get with progressive government. That's what you get with decades of Democrat rule. That's why the lady in the lake, or what is it, the lady in the lake or the lady of the lake? Whatever, the lady, lady in the lake That's why that production will likely be moving out of Baltimore. It'll cost Baltimore money. It'll cost Baltimoreans jobs. And uh, not a single politician will do a damn thing about it because they're all worthless. Congratulations, Democrats. Good job. And by the way, this fall, Democrats will be overwhelmingly reelected all across the Maryland region. Because why? Because, I don't know, people deserve what you get what you deserve, ultimately. Shifting gears from the uh, the failures of government in the city of Baltimore to just the failures in general of the left. The Washington Post today, uh, on their physical print edition, it's, it's weird, but the print edition of the newspaper is always different from the online edition. The stories, the head, they change the headlines, all these sorts of things. Now, normally, when they post a, a story, the headline is what the headline is in the print edition. And then the, over time, they go, that headline sucks, or that headline. They do what's called search engine optimization. And if that's not getting enough traffic, they try a different headline. They alter it slightly. Um, the print edition is usually the more closely aligned with the message that they want to convey because it's their first instinct. And it's a team of editors doing that, whereas online they just go, well, change this. Try, try this as the headline. But the print edition, right across the, uh, the front page, above the fold, in the middle, under a graphic, under a photograph of a glacier in Greenland. It says, study, colon, no stopping sea level rise. That's their headline. No st- Okay, well, there's no stopping it. Then why should we bother? Why should we care? If we can't stop it. If there's literally nothing we can do about it, then what's the point? Why do we have to worry about it? Why do we have to upend our lives because of it? There's literally nothing we can do. That's probably why they don't use that in the online edition, to be honest with you. 
The uh, subheadline, Greenland Ice Sheet, to add nearly a foot of water worldwide, even with drastic action. Even with drastic action. My God. Drastic action. And uh, they still can't do anything about it. So you go to the story itself. They use um, a new headline, a slightly different headline. They don't get rid of the uh, resistance is futile thing. It's a Greenland ice sheet to uh, set to rise sea levels by nearly a foot, study finds. The subheadline, new research suggests the massive ice sheet is already set to lose more than 3% of its mass, even if the world stopped emitting greenhouse gases today. Okay, well then good, we don't have to worry about it. We don't have to do anything, right? Since human-driven climate change has set in motion, now you've got to love it. Human-driven, it's all your fault. It's all humans' fault. Not the big ball of fire in the sky that can't explain why the earth warmed before. And there was that whole thing called the Ice Age, the literal Ice Age, and then there was something else called the Tiny Ice Age. Look them up before the left completely wipes them from the uh, the Internet. But uh, there were no SUVs being driven then. And still the earth warmed because our temperature has more to do with the big ball of fire in the sky than anything else. But hey, what are you going to do? The human-driven climate change has set in motion massive ice losses in Greenland that could couldn't be halted even if the world stopped emitting greenhouse gases today, according to a published study on Monday. The findings in the journal Nature Climate Change Project. <laughs> what, do you, what do you think the, uh, a, a journal entitled Nature Climate Change Project is going to publish? Do you think they're going to publish anything that contradicts the left-wing orthodoxy when it comes to climate change you think that you think they're going to even entertain a submission that doesn't go humans suck it's all your fault we're all going to die you're ruining the planet walk everywhere except for us we've got to fly private but for you see we're doing the lord's work you're just a, a peon do you think they're going to publish anything that maybe challenges the orthodoxy of progressive politicians no they're not it's nature climate change it's nature climate change. That's the journal. It's like meet the press. You want to know why meet the... There's uh, all sorts of... There's a story today about... We'll get back to this in a second. But there's a story today about Chuck Todd. Poor Chuck Todd, the ginger avenger. Not going well. Not He's hemorrhaging his audience because he sucks at his job. He sucks at his job. Not because he's particularly grating in the voice category. He's not. He sucks at his job because he's not curious at all. He's not skeptical of anything. That's supposed to be the nature of science. And it should be the nature of journalism. Skepticism. But there's no skepticism in science anymore. It is orthodoxy or excommunication. And there is no skepticism in journalism anymore. It is left-wing orthodoxy. Or it's maybe you can get a job at Fox. Good luck to you. Get out. That's it. So the Daily Beast is reporting the executive producer of Meet the Press, who NBC announced last week is shifting over to the streaming side, was pushed out amid the Sunday politics show's ratings woes. Two people familiar with the matter told the Daily Beast. John Reese, who has been executive producer for the last eight years, was officially punted over to NBC News Now streaming service. Now, did you know that NBC News had a streaming service? I did because it's like they're minor leagues. They get uh, 
I mean, it's really funny because they canceled a couple of shows a couple of weeks ago. One of them was uh, by somebody called Zerlina Maxwell, who uh, I and her, she were uh, one of four or six people the New York Daily News hired to, God, I think it was back in 2012, hired to write blog entries. I think it had to have been 2012. Uh, for the, It was called their Rumble blog. And she, everything she wrote was about how Mitt Romney was a racist. And she wrote something that I, I had them change. Uh, I, added, I complained. I'm like, how in the hell are you allowing her to write this? And it was accusing Mitt Romney of opposing. I think it was, if I remember correctly, it was accusing Mitt Romney of opposing interracial marriage. But she used some word for it that the editors apparently didn't know what it They say they didn't know what it was. Uh, they didn't bother to look up. They just ran it. And I said, why are you allowing this? And they said, oh, we didn't recognize that. We will change that. So Zerlina Maxwell is a one-trick pony. All she does is cry racism. That's MSNBC's bread and butter. And they canceled her show on the streaming service. Like, how low do your ratings have to be on streaming service that is not subscription or it's part of, I think it's part of Paramount or Peacock or whatever. It's basically given away for free. How bad do your ratings have to be to have your show canceled? It's a shame. Couldn't happen to a more deserving person. Anyway, to be demoted to the streaming service from Meet the Press, the flagship of NBC News, has to be wildly humiliating. David Jealous, who is a longtime CNN producer, who helped develop the now-defunct CNN Plus streamer, was parachuted in to help fix the sinking show. You want to know everything that's wrong with media? There it is right there. CNN Plus, I don't think it lasted six weeks. I don't think it lasted six weeks. It was such a disaster. Uh, that uh, Meet the Press, which should be pretty easy to produce. It should Look, you, the host is a problem. He's not curious, and he's said publicly they won't have anybody who disagrees with liberal orthodoxy on issues X, Y, and Z on the show to talk about those issues, like climate change. There'll be no... Dis- Mark Morano of Climate Depot has a book coming out today. And uh, he will not... He, very few people know more about climate change than Mark Morano. Chuck Todd won't have him on because he's a climate denier. Well, Chuck, if you're so damn confident in your side, which is clearly you made it clear you have a side in this. If you're so confident in your side, then you should be chomping at the bit to have someone like Mark Morano on. Should you not? You should be chomping at the bit to have Mark Morano on. Why? Because you could destroy him. You have the facts on your side, or so you say. You can destroy him. You should have him on, but you don't have him on. You won't have him on. You run from him. Kind of tells you everything you need to know about these people, doesn't it? I think it does. But, uh, hey, what are you going to do? Anyway, um, Chuck Todd is apparently on the way out, or soon to be on the way out. But do you hire somebody from CNN Plus? To replace, that's a wild insult. I don't know how John Reese shows himself, shows his face around the office. But he said, uh, Getty's first order of business, multiple people said, is deciding what to do about Chuck Todd, who, despite recently signing a two-year extension, uh, has baffled many at NBC with how long he's remained atop the struggling show. Liberals fail up. There are no, you, you have to tell, you can tell the line, eventually not making a profit embarrassing the brand or doing damage will cost you your job but it's a long time coming long time coming 
NBC White House correspondent Kirsten, uh, Kristen Welker is being groomed to replace Todd. Multiple insiders with knowledge of the matter said and is expected to take on more hosting duties as the midterm elections approach. Todd already has been demoted once this year when his Meet the Press Daily broadcast on MSNBC was relegated to NBC's streaming service. And earlier this year, with NBC Universal CEO Jeff Schell in attendance, Todd was brutally roasted by Trevor Noah at the White House Correspondents' Dinner. Quote, how are you doing? He asked Todd. I'd ask a follow-up question, but you don't know what those are. <laughs> I, I, part of me feels bad for anybody who gets wildly humiliated like that. And then part of me goes, eh, these people deserve it. They're bad people. So the same level of incuriosity that Chuck Todd has shown on climate change. See, I'm bringing it back. I remember the same level of incuriosity that Chuck Todd shows about really anything that challenges liberal orthodoxy, not just climate change, is demonstrated by the Washington Post. The difference being Chuck Todd works for a company that has to show a profit and hemorrhaging 23% of your audience or whatever it was from just last year when you'd already lost a whole bunch of it is not the fast track to showing a profit. Sure, you know, Pfizer and Moderna will, this show is brought to you by Pfizer, forcing Americans to get their shot and pay billions of dollars for it uh, since 2020. But the Washington Post doesn't have to make a profit. Oh, they sell plenty of ads, and I'm sure they're doing just fine. But they work. They're owned. They're the toy, the plaything of the world's second richest man. You know, what is he bought it for pocket change. If you're worth $150 billion and you paid $250 million for the Washington Post, you will have made back that $250 million in the time it took you to write the check for $250 million. You'll have made back that money. So if the operating budget for the Washington Post is all their revenues plus you know $10 million in the, in the red, uh, then what does it matter to Jeff Bezos? It's a prestige thing. And when or if Jeff Bezos is ever under attack, you know what? Jeff Bezos has an incredibly powerful megaphone right there at the ready. If he has a political whim, oh, they say he doesn't involve himself in the day-to-day, but come on, what's the point in owning the Washington Post if you don't occasionally chime in? So they can write things like, uh, well, it's just human-driven climate change. It doesn't really matter. And tout something called Nature Climate Change Project uh, without any explanation of, you know, there are some a lot of people who disagree with this, and uh, none of them would be published in this magazine, in this journal, because, well, just look at the name. The findings, back to the story, the findings in the journal Nature, Nature Climate Change project that it will, uh, is now inevitable that 3.3% of Greenland's ice sheet will melt, equal to 110 trillion tons of ice, the researchers said. It will trigger nearly a foot of global sea level rise. Doom and gloom, of course, over the next century. Why over the next century? Because if you say over the next 10 years, people will be alive to recognize that it didn't happen. But if you say it over the next century, you can say it is wildly important to act now to prevent the damage that will be done in a century. And people will go, well, I don't want my great-grandchildren to be doing this. Okay, we'll, we'll, I, I'll cede more of my liberty to you. And they don't know. They don't know what's going to happen 
tomorrow, let alone what's going to happen in 100 years. But just for fun, JunkScience.com, Steve Malloy over there, put together, he's got this great rolling total of alarmist headlines, like this one from 2008. He links to this because he, he addresses this particular issue as well. So 2008, the uh, headline in the Vancouver Sun from Tuesday, February 20th, 2008. Snow of Kilimanjaro to vanish by 2020. Yet, uh, there's still snow on Kilimanjaro. There's plenty of snow on Kilimanjaro. Actually, the, uh, the Times of London on uh, February 17th, 2020. Their headline, Staying power of Kilimanjaro snow defies Al Gore's gloomy forecast. Why? Because the left operates as a unit. Somebody publishes a headline. Somebody publishes a study. Al Gore then cites that. It becomes gospel on the left. They amend their Bible accordingly, and then it doesn't come to pass, and there are no consequences for it whatsoever. To illustrate the sea rise, sea level rise claim, this from the Miami Herald, Sunday, September 21st, 1986. The green, the vanishing rainforest, the headline, the greenhouse effect and rising uh, South Florida seas. My God, South Florida is going to be destroyed. They go through, they go through, and it says, uh, predictions made a few years ago estimate that the seas would rise anywhere between 2 and 12 feet by 2100. Two and tw- that's quite a, quite a wide berth there. And possibly up to 20 feet after that. Sooner or later, you would run out of water, by the way. Can't be water world. So a, uh, now the, the predictions include a possible two-foot rise by 2020. By 2020. Well, 2020 was two years ago. There is no two-foot rise. The map that they have there of Florida in this story from the Miami Herald in 1986 shows pretty much the entire coast of Florida and all of the, uh, the tip of Florida, including the Keys, gone. Gone. Now, I haven't been to the Florida Keys yet, maybe someday, but I believe they still exist. I believe I will not need scuba gear to go there. These people have been continually wrong, continually wrong, and they can't account for why. Part of the reason they can't account for why is they don't have to account for why. There is nobody like a Chuck Todd or anybody in the left-wing media going in and say, you guys predicted this and it didn't happen. What what happened? How'd you get it so... It's not how'd you get it wrong. It's how'd you get it so wrong. And how did you get it so wrong for so long? See, that's how you get better if you're interested in getting better. They're not interested in getting better. They're interested in getting control. Right now, the uh, in other news, the U.S. Open is happening. Now, it's, uh, I can't even remember. I, I think Venus Williams, uh, I say surrendered, retired a long time ago. All I know is that the Williams, I don't follow tennis, but they both kicked ass at tennis. They were the best. Before them, I don't know who dominated tennis, uh, women's tennis, I don't know. Like the few names I know are Chris Everett Lloyd, Martina Navratilova, the... Uh, Monica, I was going to say the woman who got stabbed, Monica Seles, uh, Anna Kornikova, not because she was good at tennis, but because she was good looking, and she dated Sergei Fedorov. She might have even married Sergei Fedorov for a while, but she dated Sergei Fedorov, who was, she was like maybe 17 at the time, a little bit of controversy 
at that. Um, then I, I don't even remember the name of the one woman who like had a nervous breakdown and quit Wimbledon. Oh, and I don't know. But anyway, the Williams sisters, I know they dominate tennis. They kicked ass at tennis. I just didn't really watch because I don't really enjoy watching tennis. But I recognize greatness and talent when I see it, even in sports that I don't like. Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player. Not a fan of basketball. I can acknowledge that. I can watch highlight reels of Magic versus Larry Bird. God, there's one video out there of Larry Bird. Just I think if you just search Larry Bird passes, the blind the 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 awareness of the court that Larry Bird possessed. Now, maybe you could cut together a, a compilation like this of other people in the NBA throughout history, but Larry Bird, the blind pass, the ball just comes flying, and Larry just kind of flips it, never even really grabs it, just kind of swats his arm, and right to, like, Robert Parrish, who dunks. It's amazing what that guy did. I don't know if everybody else did. It's about three minutes long, and, uh, you know, it's a 20-year career, so maybe it's not all that impressive, but that three minutes is damned impressive. Um, but the Williams sisters are... Going out, well, I guess Venus is gone and Serena is evolving. She's 40 and she doesn't want to play tennis anymore. It's just, you know, you the lo- if you stick around too long, you tarnish your legacy. And I don't blame her for, for going out near the top. And she's the best of all time, probably. I guess there's one woman with one more uh, Grand Slam title than her, some Australian woman. But that woman is uh, like an outspoken conservative critic of the trans lifestyle and... Uh, Blah, blah, blah. And so she's being disowned down in Australia. It's kind of funny. But that's beside. I think her name is Court or something like that. Anyway, um, on the men's side, Novak Djokovic is by far the greatest tennis player alive today. Maybe he's the greatest of all time. He was going. He's still working towards a record where he uh, will win the most titles, the most uh, Grand Slam titles or whatever. But he will not be competing in this year's U.S. Open. He's not competing because it's already going on. Now, why? Because he's not vaccinated. He was not. It was a controversy. One year he wasn't allowed to be in Australia for the Australian Open. Then I think the next year they let him in there because he's not vaccinated. Now, he is young and healthy. And I guarantee you, as far as the... Uh, a physical exam, a check under the hood and everything, he would be light years healthier than any anybody who is denying him entry to the United States of America. Joe Biden would not challenge Novak Djokovic to a push-up contest. He'd, he'd challenge some, you know, 80-year-old overweight guy to a push-up contest, but Novak Djokovic, he wouldn't, no matter how mad he got. But the Biden administration is preventing this world-class athlete who's completely healthy, perfectly willing to isolate. Tennis is the ultimate. Singles tennis in particular is the ultimate in isolating social distancing sports. Won't allow him into the United States because of his vaccination status. Meanwhile, on the southern border, as I speak, and it doesn't matter when you listen to this and when I speak, there are tens literally at this very second crossing the border, tens of illegal aliens. They could say thousands, but tens of thousands. Every second, tens of illegal aliens are marching across the southern border. They are not vaccinated. They will not be greeted with a Pfizer or Moderna shot saying, if you want to even stay here during your appeals process, 
you have to take this shot. There will be none of that. They will not entertain the idea. They, they are not Americans. They are future Democratic voters, and therefore they are much more important than you because you are either a current Democratic voter, which uh, they don't have any respect for you because they've already got you, or you are somebody who is currently not voting for Democrats actively, in which case they despise you. You are of literally no use to them. So these illegal aliens, these sweet, sweet, nourishing illegal aliens crossing the southern border get to come in. Not only do they get to come in, the government, our government, will provide them with a cell phone. A cell f- Have you been provided with a cell phone by our government? I don't think you have. Maybe you got an Obama phone, but it's probably a little out of date. They're providing many of these illegal aliens with a cell phone. Why? So they might be able to call when they get to wherever their final destination is, taxpayer-funded journey. When they get to where their final destination is, they can then call Immigration and Customs Services, ICE, and check in and say, I'm here. So when you set up a court date for my bogus asylum claim, you can track me down. You can say, don't worry, I'll keep this cell phone charged. No. What they're doing is they're selling these cell phones or just chucking them in the garbage. They're gone. Uh, it's while only government could come up with something so stupid as to give an illegal alien cell phone so they could call authorities and put themselves on uh, in line to lose a court case and be deported. Only the Biden administration could come up with something that stupid. But they are getting all sorts of perks and benefits, like a free trip to wherever they want to go in the United States of America to meet up with the rest of their family who's here illegally. When realistically, we should be planning tracking devices on these people, saying, all right, where do you want to go? Go meet up with your family, and then following them, and then deporting the whole lot of them, especially the unaccompanied minors. Say, all right, kid, we'll put this in your backpack. We're going to send you to where the note is in your underwear and somebody's going to come and pick you up. And then we're going to arrest them for child abuse because they just marched you 3,000 miles as a 10-year-old alone with a bunch of uh, sex trafficking perverts. And that's a child abuse. That couple in Rockville got in trouble and had a huge court battle because they let their kids go to a park that was a mile away from their house. But an illegal alien can march their kid two, three, th- two or 3,000 miles with human traffickers who have a history of uh, sexual abuse of children, and they're rewarded with being reunited with their child. Isn't that nice? Isn't that lovely? Well, Karine Jean-Pierre, who is historic, was asked about this yesterday, this disconnect by Peter Ducey, of course, because he's the only one who bothers to ask any real questions. And believe it or not, shock of all shocks, the historic Karine Jean-Pierre was wildly unprepared for the answer and why it is that a world-class athlete who would pay millions in taxes coming to earn money at the U.S. Open and uh, help the city of New York, the state of New York, and the United States of America sell even more tickets. Why, he can't come in because he's not vaccinated, but any illegal alien who marches across the border can She's, it's hard to tell whether she's stupid or a liar in this clip. It's probably a little bit of both. How is it two different things? Somebody unvaccinated comes over on a plane. You say that's not okay. Somebody walks into Texas or Arizona unvaccinated. They're allowed to stay. Uh, Why? But that's not how it works. Like we actually, no. I know that that's not what you guys want to happen, but that is what what has happened. But that's not, it's not like somebody walks over and (laughs) that's not, that's That's not how. That's exactly what's happening. We, thousands of people are walking in a day. Some of them turn themselves over. Some of them are caught. 
tens of thousands a week are not. That is what is happening. That is what is happening. But Karine Jean-Pierre knows that all she has to do is get through Peter Ducey. Look, Peter Ducey's questions are going to be shown on Fox. They're going to go viral on conservative social media sites. And that's it. MSNBC is not going to follow up with a question. NBC News is not, ABC News is not going to have a follow-up question. In regards to what Peter Ducey said, why is it? There will be no questioning. We live in two different worlds. We have two different medias, two different realities constructed by a whole bunch of frauds. We cannot survive very long like this, I fear. I mean, you really do have to admire Karine Jean-Pierre for all her historic nature to sit there and just deny. It's like denying that the sun rises in the east. Yeah, and there's nobody walking across the border. That's not how it works. That's exactly how it works. That's exactly how it works. Democratic mayors in New York and Washington, D.C. are whining and complaining because those sweet, sweet, nourishing illegal aliens are being bussed up to their cities. They don't want them. They're sanctuary cities, but I mean, only in concept. And to sit there and say, well, that's not what's going on. That's exactly what's going on. How long, how many people have gotten sick? How many Americans have died from COVID because it was marched across the southern border? Hmm? How many people were exposed to these sweet, sweet, nourishing, illegal aliens and got sick because of it? Or the mumps, the measles, polio, who knows? What else is coming across the southern border? We don't know. But we do know that the Democratic establishment doesn't care. Not a single follow-up question about this obvious hypocrisy from anybody in the press corps, because Peter Ducey is the one who asked it. It's the way it is every single day. These people are pathetic and sick. All right, in other news, speaking of Democrats sucking, speaking of Karine Jean-Pierre, who is historic, her boss... Joe Biden has officially filed to run for re-election. <laughs> oh, man. Yes, the UK Daily Mail. President Joe Biden filed for re-election Tuesday with the Federal Election Commission. Documents signed on August 30th show a filing for Biden for president, which is designated as principal campaign committee for the office of the president. Candidates listed on the filing include Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris. I love how the way they describe it, despite Democrat concerns. Despite Democrat concerns. <laughs> the media's got to really limber up. They're really honestly going to have to prop her up, or him up, in a way that uh, will make 2020 look like a cakewalk. But make it look like nothing. No big deal. you gotta, you got to love these people, the world that they live in, the world that they inhabit. Um, trying to find this other story. Yeah, this story from the New York Post. It's kind of funny because, yes, please, Joe Biden, run for re-election. File. Become the face of the party. Democrats really need as much as, you know, if you watch the way that Democrats are campaigning right now, the reason Democrats have a chance. I know there are some people out there. There are people who live in Donald Trump's colon, and there are people who hate Donald Trump. Many of the people are the same, by the way, but they... They know that it's good business, that if they suck up to Donald Trump, that they will be sucking up to his fan base, which is large and very loyal. So while in private, they'll sit there and they tell you they really don't want him to run or they don't care, or they don't like him or whatever. In public, they will declare their uh, undying fealty to them. 
it's just one of those things that happens in this business and in the media business. People know where their bread is buttered, on which side their bread is buttered, and that's all they care about is themselves. But Democrats have done a good job with what they have to work with. Joe Biden is a horrible president. He's a bad person. And they need to find a way to make the election not about Joe Biden and not about anything they've done. And they've done it so far. They made it about Donald Trump. Republicans, sadly, are playing along with this. Donald Trump isn't on the ballot in 2022. I hope Donald Trump gets off his butt and campaigns vigorously and spends some of the hundreds of millions of dollars he has gotten from people to elect some of the candidates that he helped drag across the finish line. There are a lot of House candidates out there that were Trump-endorsed, and there are Senate candidates out there that are Trump-endorsed. It's wildly important that Republicans take one, if not both. It'd be better, frankly, to take the Senate. That's a harder lift, because then you can stop appointments. You can really filter out some of the lunatics that Joe Biden is trying to put on the courts. But that's that's a pretty long fight and a, a steep hill to climb. The House is an easier hill to climb. But whatever the case, Donald Trump needs to not be the issue in the election, but he needs to be a participant in the election. Republicans need to make Joe Biden the issue in the election and have something to offer in response to it. It can't run on, we're not Joe Biden, vote for us. That works for me. I'm in. Probably works for you. You're probably in. But the rest of the country that you need to win the votes of are not interested. They don't follow the news that closely. They're not interested in voting against somebody. They're more interested in if if they're going to vote and you need them to go and vote. You need them to go and vote for you. And you have to have something for them to vote for. And you can motivate people to be against if you start making the issue about Joe Biden and his failed policies and Democrats in general and their failed policies. Don't like paying $4 a gallon pump? Thank a Democrat. That's a Democrat. That's what they've done. We'll lower the price. We're energy dependent. We'll lower that. We'll change that. We'll bring back blah, blah, blah. You run on all of that. You don't like paying twice as much for meat? We will fix it. We can fix the supply chain. These people not only can't, they have no interest in doing it. Make everything about Joe Biden and make everything Joe Biden about the Democrats. The same way they're doing about Donald Trump. Will they? I don't know. But this story, New York Post. For many Latinos, obtaining an undergraduate degree is a dream come true. About 21% have one. But several millions of Latinos across the nation took a different path. Instead, they started their own business, became certified in their trade, or began a career all without a university degree. Both paths have merit and can be celebrated. But President Joe Biden's plan to cancel by executive order roughly a half a trillion dollars in student loan debt for individuals earning as much as $125,000 a year and couples earning up to a quarter of a million dollars a year is bad economics, bad policy, and bad politics. It's also incredibly unfair. The headline is working class Latinos are bailing out wealthy Biden students, wealthy, uh, wealthy with Biden student loan payoff. The Latino community, the Hispanic vote is not happy with Joe Biden. He's alienating a group Democrats had hoped to 
suck off of and soak off of and parasite on and replace the black vote with to ride them to a permanent majority. And it's not happening. It's not working out very well. You got to love that. You really got to love that. Couldn't have the nicer people. Speaking of things that couldn't have the nicer people, I guess you're not the nicer people. We're not the nicer people. It shouldn't happen to nicer people. But Joe Biden is going to give a primetime address to the nation on Thursday. Why? Because he's got failing poll numbers and there's an election coming up, a midterm election. Under normal circumstances, see, the president can't demand time from the networks. He can't. He can't say, you, I'm going to give a speech and you're going to cover it. What a president can do is request, ask for time. Now, I guess they haven't necessarily said they're going to do it yet, but I suspect they're going to do the hell out of it. The president wants to give a speech on Thursday about democracy. It's an address to the nation. It's a campaign speech. How can I say it's a campaign speech? Because it's going to take place outside in front of Independence Hall in Philadelphia. It's not a national emergency where he's going to speak to the nation from, say, the Oval Office or the East Room or the Rose Garden or anywhere else. No. It is a primetime address, free campaigning, where, let's see, the Washington Post puts it this way. President Biden will deliver a prime prime time address Thursday in the fight for democracy in America and the, quote, continued battle for the soul of a nation, a White House official said Monday, an address that is likely to confirm his growing rhetoric, rhetorical emphasis on the anti-democratic forces he sees as capturing much of the Republican Party. It's a campaign speech, a taxpayer funded campaign speech. Speaking at Philadelphia's Independence Hall National Historic Park, the president is expected to highlight his administration's achievement and argue that the country's democratic values will be at stake during the midterm elections. Why in the hell would any network grant him prime time audience across the country for this? This is clearly a campaign speech. It is not a matter of national security. It is not a matter of national urgency. It is a matter for democratic party's relevancy and therein lies the reason why the networks are likely to give joe biden the time to do it how pathetic is this to it's one thing to bastardize the white house it's another to bastardize independence hall and to do so so patently false reasons such patently false reasons is disgusting and disturbing it's progressive though that's what joe biden wants to be so I hope the networks don't give it to him. They shouldn't, but they probably will because they're hacks. Looking at Time Magazine, I just don't get this. Taylor, the media just loves promoting liberals. And it's not news. Time used to do news. It really did. So Taylor, why they're covering Taylor Swift's next album that isn't out until October 21st, I don't know. It says Taylor Swift's next album is coming. Midnight's will, quote, Tell the stories of 13 sleepless nights scattered throughout Swift's life. 13 sleep. What? Uh, why did she not? Why was she not able to sleep? Was the pile of money she was trying to do it on stacked unevenly? Is that why she wasn't able to sleep? Good God. Uh, nothing against Taylor Swift, but it's everything against news uh, time. Time. Sorry. It's, it's hard to tell them apart about time. This is just clickbait garbage. I wouldn't, 
I wouldn't be able to live with myself if I had to write a story about, oh, this is going to be about 13 sleepless nights in Taylor Swift's life. Really? Really? The hardship of having millions of dollars starting when you're like 13 years old? That hardship? Is she going to be all right? <laughs> in the future, everybody, I think, will date Taylor Swift for 15 minutes. Anyway. <laughs> I want to play you this clip of uh, John Fetterman. This guy is Frankenstein. He really is just like Frankenstein. He is running for United States Senate up in Pennsylvania. And uh, Democrat, of course, running against Dr. Oz. This is one of those people I think Donald Trump has to drag over the finish line is Dr. Oz. Now, is would it be effective for Donald Trump to go to Philadelphia and give a speech? No. Would it be effective for Donald Trump to go to the Pittsburgh area and give a speech? Absolutely. Absolutely. He could do a couple of them. He's a few months up there. He could buy ads in rural Pennsylvania. So one of the things Donald Trump does is he inspires fierce loyalty in his fans. That loyalty is the same as the loyalty that Barack Obama inspired in his fans. They love, they're Democrats out there. People don't realize this because it doesn't get the kind of... Co- See, the media says, oh, it's a cult when it's Trump. It's a cult around Barack Obama. It's a real cult around Barack Obama. But they don't talk about it because they're in it. You know, nobody, nobody refers to their own religious beliefs as a cult. It's just how it is. But Barack Obama was not able to drag anybody across the finish line. If you look at Barack Obama's popularity, which endures to this day, he's way more popular than any former president, personally. It's still wildly popular. It still hasn't helped him drag anybody across the finish line. Martha Mox, I think her name was, no, not Martha Moxley. Maybe it was. No, Martha Coakley, I think. She was the candidate up in, uh, I think Moxley might have been somebody who was murdered by uh, somebody famously, maybe connected to the... Kennedy clan up there. That's beside the point. Uh, Martha Coakley, I think her name was. She was running in the special election after Ted Kennedy died in Massachusetts. Democrat. Democrat in good standing. Lost to Scott Brown. Barack Obama went up there to help her win, and it didn't. It, It actually had the opposite effect. Special election after special election. And regular election after regular election. The candidates for whom Barack Obama personally campaigned lost. Donald Trump got people nominated. He needs to get people across the finish line. We need to find out whether or not he, because Barack Obama's popularity did not transfer. Because Barack Obama didn't really ask. He kind of ordered people to go out and vote for him. I don't think even fans like that. Donald Trump needs to go out, campaign for these people, and ask his supporters, implore his supporters, to show up and vote in November, even though Donald Trump's name is not on the ballot. Because the 2020 election is that important. That's what he needs to do. He needs to go up to Pennsylvania. He need, either, if Dr. Oz doesn't want... Look, Dr. Oz is supposedly uh, distancing himself from Donald Trump. Fine. If that's what he thinks he has to do, I don't really care what a Republican has to do to win. But that shouldn't stop. They don't have to appear together. You'd say, well, we're going to different places because I want to uh, 
we want to cover more ground. You need to get the people who love Donald Trump to vote for Dr. Oz. They don't have to love Dr. Oz. They have to vote for Dr. Oz. Same goes for Herschel Walker down in Georgia. Herschel Walker, not the most compelling speaker, to put it mildly, not exactly the most uh, energetic campaigner, what have you. I understand that. It doesn't matter. Donald Trump has to stop. And I get it. He's he's concerned. Donald Trump is very he's he's willing to involve himself in the primaries because he can't really lose. A lot of these races he endorsed in were already foregone conclusions. And in some cases, no, Donald Trump made the difference. Whatever the case is, nomination is not even really a part of the battle. It's irrelevant. The general election is where the money is and where what has to be done has to be done. As such, Donald Trump has to get out there and really bust butt and drag some of these people across the finish line. Period. End of story. And one person is Dr. Oz. Dr. Oz is running against Frankenstein's monster. Really honestly is. John Fetterman is... He's a parasite. He's attacking constantly Dr. Oz for being wealthy. I'm pretty sure that Fetterman grew up wealthier than Dr. Oz. And more importantly, Oz made his own money, whereas Fetterman lived off of his family's money, lived off mommy and daddy well into his 40s. If you can't campaign against that, drop out or something. Anyway, John Fetterman is running and he, 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 he says he's terrified. He's horrified at something. It's a racist thing, but he's the racist. He doesn't really, he won't acknowledge it, but he is. Listen to what he's horrified about. I am horrified that Republicans are going to attempt to change Pennsylvania's constitution to make voter ID mandatory in Pennsylvania, which, of course, disproportionately will impact people of color. Ah, he's horrified that there might be some voter integrity measures uh, because black people can't get photo IDs. That's your Democrat nominee for United States Senate up there in Pennsylvania, ladies and gentlemen. Black people are too stupid, too incompetent to get a photo ID. Sorry, black people. I I know you didn't know it because you're not. But uh, Frankenstein's monster, Uncle Fester over there, really believes that. And that horrifies him that there be any uh, integrity in the vote and uh, people have to show photo IDs because black people can't get them. Your white savior, your liberal white savior complex. Moment of the day, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to cover this case. I can't You sit there and you go, how could anybody even consider voting for a moron like this? Fire bad! That's his campaign slogan. It's happening. Donald Trump, you got to get out there. Anyway, we're out of time for today. I appreciate you listening. Got to get on with your day. Have a great one. We'll be back here to do it all over again tomorrow. See you then.